Do you or somebody you know hoard? You aren't alone. Hoarding affects millions of people throughout the world. You can do something about it and regain personal control. Welcome to Take Back Your Life When Your Things Are Taking Over with host Elaine Birchall. Reduce and relieve yourself from the shame and blame clutter causes in your life. You can do it and we'll show you how. Now here's your host, Elaine Birchall. Hello everyone, I am Elaine Birchall, your host, and welcome back to everyone tuning in this week to Take Back Your Life on Voice America's Variety Channel. This is going to be our last show for a while, because by August 31st, which is going to come sooner than any of us can imagine, Sue Cronkite and I, my co-author, need to have our completed manuscript for our book with the provisional title, Clearing the Path. When Clutter Becomes Hoarding and What You Can Do About It to Johns Hopkins University Press, our our new publisher. We've just signed everything signed, sealed, and delivered today. And within 18 months, within 18 months after that, after we hand in the manuscript, you're going to be able to see it in stores in hardcover, softcover, ebook versions. It's going to be in Barnes and Nobles, many other um, uh, bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, and wherever you normally buy books. So if you're interested in having a copy, as soon as it's available, you can pre-order by leaving your name and contact information at www.hoarding.ca under the book order tab. You don't need to make a deposit. You don't need to put down any money. Just let us know you want a copy and provide your contact information so we can let you know when your copy is available in that first run so it doesn't run out. Also, I want everyone to know that the library of of um, recordings for Take Back Your Life since the, the middle of September up until today are going to be available shortly on my website, again, www.hoarding.ca. So visit me there and listen in as often as you need to. Today, we are very fortunate to have Fire Chief Jim Sawkins, the Director of Protective Services for the Northwest Territories and the President of the Northwest Territories Fire Chiefs Association, to talk to us about fire safety in the context of too much stuff, whether it's just clutter clutter, or it's gone on to develop into hoarding. Fire is fire wherever you find it. And people as individuals respond the same. It matters not whether it happens on the edge of the Bering Sea or the edge of the Hudson River or India or Pakistan or in the you know in Helsinki in South America fire is fire and people are people setting and reaching your goals is possible if you leave yourself open to the best the world has to offer you by first and foremost committing to not staying stuck and overwhelmed by clutter and repeating unproductive habits that arise out of the limiting beliefs that you operate by. How to undo those piles and pathways 
and not procrastinate will become more possible if you first commit yourself to not settling for less than you deserve. And one baby step at a time, move forward on the tasks necessary to get and stay unstuck. Repeatedly reviewing the past shows to remind yourself of the tools that you forget are available and then going on to use one tool at a time very slowly and deliberately, I promise you, will get you to where you dream of being. So if you feel like it, don't be shy today. I do want to hear from you and you can reach me by calling our worldwide toll-free number 1-866-472-5788 or email us at elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. So, hello, Chief Sawkins, and welcome from Inuvik. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Thank you very much for having me, Elaine. You know, today, let's give clear Let's give people a clear and concrete idea about fire risk and how they can move to the state of fire safety so that they can reflect upon your advice at a personal level. What do you think are the most important things people need to know about hoarding, whether it's hoarding or just clutter and fire risk, Chief Sawkins? Well, uh Elaine, I think uh, the most important thing uh, that uh, that comes to mind right off the bat is that uh, people must realize that uh, the risk is not only uh, associated with the occupant. <clears throat> Excuse me. There should be uh, should there be a fire. Um, it it uh, also includes the responding firefighters as well. Uh, disorientation, entanglement, entrapment are just a few dangers in a fire situation and. Uh, the reality is, uh, in most cases, the uh, fire department responds and is unaware that the situation actually exists. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what that looks like and how that plays out? Those, so it's really risks at two different levels. The person who has the fire and the person who's respond or people who are responding to the fire what does that play out like? Um, can you explain? Because the people listening don't have the vision of it that you have. What does that look like when when it's actually happening? Well, typically, uh, the fire department responds uh, when somebody's having their worst day. And um, first and foremost, if, if there is a fire, the uh, occupants would have a difficult time exiting the house, given the the uh, situation inside, uh, we refer to that as a heavy content environment. Uh, we don't refer to it as hoarding or clutter. We call it a heavy content environment. Okay. And, and I mean, the, the whole idea is that people want to exit their home if there's a fire, if the smoke alarm goes off, if there's a fire. And on the on the other side of that coin. When the fire department does respond and for whatever reason they can't get out, then we have to go inside. And going inside um, a normal house can be confusing at best. Um, but when we have a heavy content environment, now we're, we're having to, um, in a smoke-filled and, and very high-temperature environment, we have to go in and try to orientate ourselves around the clutter 
and and hopefully uh, we don't get disoriented and we'll be able to find the occupant and safely evacuate them. But in most cases, by the time things catch fire, um, the contents, uh, boxes and, and bins are falling over and, and obstructing the exits and, and pathways throughout the house, if there are any. I guess the other thing that people need to um, think about kind of proactively is that all of those possessions really become a fuel load, don't they? It's like throwing, you know, if you had a bonfire, for instance, it would be like throwing logs on the bonfire. And so the bonfire would grow a lot faster. And I guess with additional heat that would cause other things like the storage bins and that to give off toxic fumes too, wouldn't it? Yes, and, and you know, uh, times have changed. Uh, over the years, uh, we're using uh, hydrocarbon-type uh, materials uh, for, for furniture, and, and now instead of, you know, cardboard boxes, a lot of people are using uh, bins, hydrocarbons, and you're, you're absolutely correct. It gives off toxic fumes and, uh, and turns actually the building into a, into a hazardous materials-type uh, environment. Uh, chances of survival uh, uh, diminish with uh, the more contents that uh, that are inside the house and, and the way they're stored. Oh, absolutely. I guess the other thing, too, um, that I want to kind of remind people of is that when there's a fire, is it your experience or is it just my imagination that people don't respond the way they think they would respond in a crisis. They don't factor in the confusion and the adrenaline rush and the temptation perhaps to try to put the fire out themselves, delaying their ability to get out safely. And because one of the scariest things I saw, I, I mean, I did, training with the Ontario Fire College um, on hoarding for their fire inspectors one time. And as part of their uh, demonstration, they had this film and uh, it was about a Christmas tree going up, which is why I really appreciate you making time for us now because I want this information to be current in people's minds. The conditions inside uh, in a normal home, and and I would uh, I would uh, ask that your viewers uh, take the time to uh, to uh, Google the uh, Scotch pine Christmas tree fire. Um, if they get that, they'll they'll have a, uh, an excellent uh, um, demonstration of just how fast uh, fire can uh, take seed and, and grow in a, in a normal structure. And I'm talking about just a normal uh, furnished uh, home. Under normal conditions, uh, flashover, uh, and I'll explain, a flashover is the temperature at which uh, everything, but everything uh, in the room catches fire, and it, it's reached that temperature, typically around 1,200 degrees. But in a normal home, uh, normally furnished home, that would take place in, in, a, in approximately five minutes or, or slightly less. That's, that's the science on that. Uh, given a uh, heavy content environment or a, a home that's heavily cluttered, um, that could take place uh, a lot sooner given the, the uh, contents. The, as I said, the, in, in the older days, the, uh, the furniture and, and, and most of your, your, your contents were made of heavier uh, products. Now everything is made from, uh, from uh, um, 
quick disposal type products, the plastics and and, and so forth, and uh, they burn much hotter and and quicker. And, and it poses a, a, an extreme hazard um, to those living inside. Where's the limit? Is it ever a good idea for someone to try to put out their fire themselves rather than exit? Well, I, I personally, I like to ask, uh, you know, when I'm giving training is, is that they, uh, first of all, place their extinguishers next to an exit um, so, that, uh, so that if, if uh, you know, there is a fire, then they go to the exit they grab the extinguisher and they turn around and, and at that time ascertain whether or not the fire is within their capabilities to fight. And if it's not, then the exit's at their back and they're out. Um, okay. When is it? I mean, that's a, that's a personal, that's a personal uh, appreciation of, of, of what, their, what their abilities are um, in order to, to extinguish a fire. Um, the best thing is, in most cases, people are sleeping when this takes place. So mm. first and foremost, they've got to wake up. They've got to shake the cobwebs out. They have to understand what is happening. And and at that point, enough time, by the time they've been awakened, um, enough time has uh, transpired that that their only, their only effort should be to get out of the house and call okay. from a neighbor's house. Okay. Call, call um, the fire department from a neighbor's house. You mentioned extinguishers. What's a person look like? What do they or are they looking for when they are choosing an extinguisher? Well, um, first of all, they need to select an extinguisher that's uh, that's suited for for the hazards that uh, are are inside the house. Um, the, the most common right now, and, and we've come a long way with fire extinguishers, is to, is to buy a Class ABC extinguisher, which basically covers all hazards in the home. Okay. And I would suggest that uh, as a minimum that they would have a 10-2A-5BC. Uh, now, that just basically explains the, uh, the uh, amount of extinguishment or ex- extinguishing capability for each one of those classes of fire, Class A being ordinary combustibles, uh, uh, wood, paper, some plastics, Class B being uh, flammable and combustible liquids, and Class C being your uh, electrical-type fires. Okay, can, can you repeat that again in case people ran for a pencil when you started to give the description? So it's an ABC extinguisher, and yeah. then you, you gave and the rating, more. The rating, mm-hmm. Elaine, is, is typically in the very fine print. Unfortunately, they don't plaster it in big letters on there, but uh, the rating will be on the label, and it should say, uh, I would say, and I, t- I tell my uh, residents that a minimum of 2A5BC. Uh, okay. Okay, so we've got about two minutes before we go to break, and I I know you know this, but for those listening, I want to acknowledge that in hoarding situations, it's not unusual for people living in the environment to be overwhelmed and afraid of being discovered. This can make people avoid what they know they should do to clear up a problem, especially when they can't see how they can do it with the resources they find themselves um, capable of, of using or affording or having. So please don't be embarrassed or ashamed if you've been kind of ducking under the radar. Uh, but the fire department... 
um, is capable of doing more than just putting your fire out. They're capable of giving you good information. And sometimes if you um, develop a positive, proactive relationship with them, they might be willing to give you really good, specific information about the risks that exist in your home. And, you know, getting help, we're going to talk about that a little later, um, before, after we uh, come back from break, getting help to do the things you've been trying to do for a while and haven't been able to do. That's the order of the day today. So, um, Chief Sawkins, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about taking us through an eyeball sketch of going through a home and what you're looking to assess. So, we'll see everybody after the break. And uh, Chief Sawkins, I've got more questions for you. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. Chief uh, Jim Sawkins of the Northwest Territories Fire Association is with us, and he is sharing his expertise. Thank you for staying with us, Chief Sawkins. You're welcome. Uh, So um, can you take us through, if you were just going into an average accommodation and you were doing an assessment what would you be looking for can you just take us through a little tour of what that would look like 
Uh, certainly. I will start uh, by making the preface that, that unfortunately there's no mandate that allows us to, to go into residences and, and, and conduct those inspections um, unless we're invited in. Okay. Um, and and uh, that's what makes uh, establishing a partnership with uh, some of your community organizations such as our housing authority and, and some of the property managers where they have to go in on an annual basis. But having said that, when I go in, what I am looking for is first and foremost that I can open the front door um, and, and get in the house. Um, next would be your uh, to ensure that all your exits are unobstructed and that there is a clear pathway to each of the exits. Okay. Um, what, are, what, are you, what are you enforcing, or not enforcing, what are you looking for uh, as far as clear pathways? Um, well, you would hope that, uh, that uh, there wouldn't be any clutter at all. But if there is, that, uh, um, that there's at least a pathway of sufficient uh, width um, that equals the size of the exit. Uh, and that, that uh, pathway uh, is, is consistent throughout the house or the okay. apartment, wherever they live. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So what would you be looking for, for instance, say it was a two-story house and there were staircases and there were entrance and, um, you know, to bedrooms and there's a kitchen, of course, and a basement. Can you just right. kind of take us through that? Yes, and as I said, the, the exits are important and the pathway to the exits are important. Um, people must realize that typically uh, windows aren't classified as, a, uh, as, a, as an exit uh, in, in spaces below grade, such as basements, um, unless they are of sufficient size. And it, I'm not going to get into the sizes because no. every province uh, that has their own building codes will have different rules, the same as different countries uh, have different rules. Okay. Um, uh, any exit from the second floor uh, utilizing a window, obviously you would want to make sure that they have uh, an apparatus that, uh, such as a fire safety ladder in, in order to assist them out. All other right. things, uh, other things uh, that that I would be looking for would be to confirm that there's adequate clearance around any of the uh, fuel fired appliances in the residence, such as fireplaces, wood or pellet stoves, furnaces, water heaters, um, stoves, uh, ovens and stoves, uh, and portable heaters. Okay. Um, the big thing is. Uh, um, is to ensure that there are working smoke alarms installed on every level of the residence um, and outside each sleeping area, and that they're not obstructed um, by by um, by clutter itself. Okay, and that there are batteries that make them operational, right? Exactly. Either they're hardwired uh, with a backup battery, or if they're battery uh, operated, then then they make sure that the batteries work and and. They should be tested on, on a monthly basis. Okay. The last thing uh, is that uh, if it's a heavy content it's, environment, then I have to concern myself that uh, you know, it may not just be books and, and knickknacks that, that are being collected, but we want to make sure that there's no fuel such as gas or propane stored in the house. Um, people may think, wow, that's, that's pretty uh, obvious, but, 
but reality is that uh, you know I've I've come across some residents where where there's a uh, heavy content environment and that in, that includes a lot of camping equipment and and camp stoves and and oh, the portable oh. propane tanks and so forth. So portable propane tanks should be stored not in an accommodation, correct? Don't they? They're, don't they fall under the same category as barbecue um, tanks? You're allowed a, a certain quantity of of the of the smaller tanks, but uh, it would be my recommendation that they be stored in a shed or in the garage. Okay. Can you take us through the basement? So, if an accommodation has a furnace, you mentioned hot water tanks, electrical panel. Can you give us what your recommendations would, what would it look, what would safety look like in that environment? First and foremost, it would include a uh, clear access path to all those appliances um, um, to include your electrical panel. Um, It also would include uh, a space of no less than one meter or three feet maintained around those appliances. Okay. Okay, that's important. I actually had a situation where someone called me um, and um, her house had burned down. And um, and she said that um, her, it was her hot water tank that had misfired. It, it didn't flame, but it conducted enough heat along a, a metal shelf and there wasn't anything combustible immediately adjacent but it that heat got conducted far enough along that it smoldered something further along on the bottom shelf that caught and thank I mean not that you would wish that on anyone but thank heavens that when it did catch she was at work however she lost her home yeah Um, that's does that happen does that happen more than we realize like, what is the risk here? Uh, the potential is very high, um, and, and especially up here in the north, <laughs> when, uh, you know, we've got cold temperatures, uh, you know, eight, eight months of the year, and uh, we've got these appliances right. running full bore all the time. So. Ah. Well, for most of North America, that's probably true, and I'm sure I'm sure that it's also true in Northern Europe um, as well. So, this information is very transferable and very useful. So, if people are overwhelmed, if you know, and generally that is true in a hoarding situation, what are the priority areas that they need to address to get started? Um, if if I could, I'd like to relate a story at this time. Yes, sir, absolutely. <laughs> um, because this is really uh, what uh, what was my eye opener to to the to this disorder, and was the impetus to 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 get you to come and uh, and uh, present at the uh, fire chiefs conference in the Northwest Territories. Um, I I will talk about a man, an elderly man, and I'm I'm going to call him Tom, not his real okay. name. Okay. And he immigrated to Canada many years ago and was of European descent. He was raised during the Second World War and was a believer in the value of all, all material items and saving those items as they may be required someday. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to be, a, uh, you know, of, of that era in order to do that. There's a lot of people even today, the younger generation, that, that feels the same way. Um, 
but I was uh, dispatched to Tom's home one day after receiving an emergency call and noticed some sparks coming from his chimney. And uh, when I arrived there, Tom wasn't willing to allow me into the residence. But after insisting that uh, there was a problem, he allowed me in to investigate. And I took a quick look around after he was able to get the front door open. And, uh, and from my vantage point, um, it was, I, I discovered at that time that there, there was a problem. And uh, oh, wow. Tom's house was overburdened with clutter and... It, and and what made things worse was that he was tinkering with his furnace to try to try to fix it. And um. uh, so I made sure prior to leaving, I made sure that uh, I was able to uh, open the front door and told him that he had to get his furnace repaired before he could turn it back on. And okay. that was by a certified technician. Okay. Um, I left town the following day, and my deputy uh, fire chief uh, followed up and uh, was told that the furnace had been. Um, had been repaired, and upon my return to from uh, from my trip, um, I received another emergency call um, stating that they, the neighbor across the road saw flames actually coming from his chimney. Mm. And at this point, I dispatched. This was this was a little bit more than a possible chimney fire. This 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 was serious. So I I dispatched the fire department and. Uh, and upon arrival, um, myself, along with the RCMP, um, evacuated Tom into one of the uh, RCMP, being the police, um, yep. evacuated them into, uh, into their vehicle so he could stay warm uh, while we, we conducted our business. And it was actually discovered that the, there was fuel free-flowing in the furnace and, and that the fire had been contained to the furnace and chimney. Oh, my. Um, Yes, it was. It, it had the potential to be a very serious event. Wow. Um, what What happened at that point was um, uh, it looked like he had been tinkering with the furnace again. So I had mentioned to the police officer that I had some concerns about his uh, mental health and uh, asked them to please follow up with that, which they did. They took him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, having said that, he did check out okay after that. Um, I did walk through the uh, the residence and realized just how serious the problem was, and there were no pathways. There was nothing. He basically, or we did as well, had to step over numerous boxes and around boxes to to inspect to make sure the fire hadn't spread anywhere into the residence. Oh my heavens! Yes, my heavens. Um, that's that's something we haven't even talked about. How many places that don't have furnaces do have fireplaces? Yes. You know, and they're not just novelty items these days. Some people use them for cooking. Some people use them for heat or atmosphere. What What is the um, protocol? What is the requirement for cleaning chimneys? How, like... And I guess that would depend on what you're burning in your in your fireplace as well. Can you give us a little bit of information about that? Under normal circumstances, uh, you should have your chimney cleaned at least once a year. Um, but given uh, our environment here in the north, um, and we're burning so much that uh, that the chimneys should be inspected and cleaned probably tw- well, I would say as a minimum two, twice a year. Um, but uh, okay. having said that, um, I did sit down with Tom uh, following the incident and basically told him um, that he was not t- 
to return back to his residence um, um, until the furnace had been repaired or replaced and until we could sit down and come up with a plan and action that plan in order to to make his house uh, fire safe. And uh, he was cooperative. Um, he had checked himself into a hotel, and I uh, actually had one of his friends uh, stop by the fire hall and um, meet with me to uh, discuss the plan. And uh, and it was it was amazing um, the support um, that he had received from his friends. That uh, you know together we were able to uh, to uh, follow up with the plan. The plan being first and foremost was to I told him he couldn't move back in until we had at least those exit paths in place throughout the house. And then we would work towards removing the clutter altogether. And the plan, those items he wanted to keep were put into a back bedroom that we could go through and possibly sell or, 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 or find a home for down the road. And one of the local companies in town actually donated a bin so that we could go through and, and help clean out the house. Um, is is that what your best uh, best I mean, advice to people looking around right now at their spaces and recognizing there's a fire risk would be is to separate out the the and I know I recommend that separate out the things that are you know you love them and take the other extreme the things that are kind of caught up they it all gets mixed up together separate the things out that you can clearly identify are broken are in some way not of interest to you get rid of those right away and then the things in the middle that's really where the challenge is don't you find yes yes and that was the challenge here um he had he had gone and purchased a a, a number of tools um, and they were still brand new in the package when we came across them. And, and I said, you know, Tom, what, you know, when are we going to use these? Like, you know, and for what? He said, well, you never know. Somebody might come by and want to borrow. I said, well, at that point, maybe that's when you buy when they need it. <laughs> but right now, I said, you know, you've got a lot of, a lot of things here that, uh, that you're, you may never use. And it's, it's taking up quality space in your home so you can live a, a very quality, you know, a good quality life, um, be able to watch your TV and actually sit in a chair in your living mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. So, um, he was very receptive. I, I, I give him that. There was some things that he dug his heels on and that. But Sometimes it, people... It's, it's, Elaine, it's not so much about going through the process it's about making mm-hmm. sure that there's follow-up action after the fact. And, That's true. Um, I, I meet with Tom on a regular basis. Sometimes uh, um, he'll stop by the fire hall for coffee, and, uh, and other times I'll uh, grab a couple of coffees at the local store, and I'll go over to his home to uh, visit with him. Um, I, mm-hmm. I make it sound, it, it's for a visit uh, to see how he's doing, but it's also a way for me to check to make sure that uh, he's not digressing back to where, to where he was. No, I, I believe that my recommendation is that if you're out there listening and you feel that um, you can't call an expert to help you do the work that needs to be done, that feels un- impossible for some reason, then see if you can call a friend, someone who's not bossy or thinks that they've got answers for other people, who's been patient, 
respectful and understanding in the past and ask for help to set priorities similar to what Chief Sawkins has been talking about and set a definite work schedule and start to tackle the piles one at a time. Telling yourself that you can or that you have to do it alone is not realistic. In more than 14 years, I have never met one person who by the time they were feeling overwhelmed could do what was needed alone. Making decisions is hard enough without doing all of the physical work. And maybe you can offer to trade favors with a friend and help them with something they find difficult. Some of my clients have done this with good success, and I suggest that you consider doing it. We're going to take a break now, and then Chief Sawkins is coming back to answer some more questions. Take care. We'll hear from you after the break. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. This is Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you prefer, send an email to elaine.birchall at hoarding.ca. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone. If you're experiencing any cutouts in sound, apparently there's a storm um, in Arizona, and it's interfering with our internet connection. Just remember, asking for help and getting started, that's the hardest part. Nothing you're going to have to do after that is as hard as those first two things. Chief Sawkins, what kind of barriers have you encountered to establish establishing adequate fire safety? Uh, I would say that the, the largest barriers, first, first and foremost, is, is the discovery and knowledge that the that the problem exists in the community, and how common the problem is. And uh, uh-huh. to overcome the barrier of, um, in in Anuvik, I've established a, a working group that includes our housing authority, property managers, mental health counselors, and the fire department. Um, they've uh, between the housing authority and the uh, and the property managers, we've established a reporting system, um, and those homes that are deemed hoarding or clutter homes, or as we call them, heavy content environments, uh, we have uh, we have um, listed them uh, in our fire dispatch 
um, so that there's no surprises if, if we're called out for an emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping in mind that, that, uh, that uh, you know, the, the, an individual's confidentiality and, and, and privacy is, is maintained throughout. Um, as I said, uh, um, um, the other one, the other big barrier is, is, is education. Um, it was truly an eye-opener for, for the Northwest Territories Fire Chiefs when, when we had you uh, present at our 2016 conference just to, to, to tell us, you know, about the uh, disorder. And, and, uh, and, uh, and the biggest thing that you, you stated to us at the time was that, that the factors were that the, the respect and the privacy of those occupants was important. And, uh, and that message went out loud and clear to everyone. You have a great group up there, I must say. They just were so, um, real, like real people who really cared, really wanted solutions. No, uh, no level of overlaying bureaucracy or talking about what couldn't be done. It was like roll up your sleeves, you know, treat people with respect and courtesy, maintain their rights for confidentiality and privacy, but at the same time, invite them to consider what you have to offer in the way of helping them live safely. It was just marvelous, marvelous. So so I want to talk a little bit about tools because sometimes trying to use the wrong tools can be a problem as well. And so where there's, do you find where, where there's mold or animal involvement like mice, bed bugs, you know, other other little visitors, um, protective gloves and an N95 mask. Now, you folks have, you know, the full-on mask, but you the N95 mask, particularly the one with the little aerator on the front, um, is a good quality mask, and you can get those at local hardware store. And and to pre- remember to protect yourself first before you protect your try to protect your home. If you've got mold spores, mold is a living thing. And it will get into your lungs. The uh, the uh, virus that um, mice, um, one in five mice, have um, this virus. Uh, that's the average. And the older the mouse cat, in some ways, the more dangerous it is because it becomes airborne and you're breathing that in, thinking it's dust. And so if there are odors, sometimes an environment uh, breaks down and there are odors that are really unpleasant, get a little Vicks VapoRub and put it just a little on the inside of the mask or, you know, if you're a little more exotic than that, an essential oil, the smell of which appeals to you. If you can't afford um, shoe covers or you can't find them while you're walking through, you know, areas where mice have burrowed and, and nested, try taping some plastic bags over your shoes um, if there's anything questionable on the floor. And that way you're not tracking it wherever you walk after that. And I'm going to give a plug for Glad contractor size flex bags. And I promise you, folks, I am not making a dime on this. But if you're going to get garbage bags, get garbage bags that do the job. My favorite is the Glad contractor size flex bag. I swear you can put a house in those things. You can drag them across concrete and cement because I've done it and they never give up on you. They tie and untie easily in case you want to add more to the bag. 
And so believe that it's true. Start with those if you can get them. Also, if there's dust or dried mouse get, get one pair of protective eyewear. When you go into an environment, it it, it is kind of like a low-grade uh, fire or a low-grade risk, maybe smoldering or or maybe you're just going in to assess something that's questionable. What kind of gear... Um, if you're not going in to actually fight a fire, do you recommend Chief Sawkins? Well, I think you've pretty much covered uh, covered uh, what what we would take uh, in. Um, but typically, it's myself or my deputy that would respond to uh, like uh, um, initial calls until right. we can assess uh, whether or not. Uh, um, the fire department is required, unless there's a, a confirmation call, obviously. But but going into uh, into a home, uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have our you know our hands covered. Um, we have um, the N95 is a is a is a perfect solution, as as you stated. Um, and we carry the rubber gloves uh, on our trucks. I, I typically will respond to any emergency with my coveralls on, and and of course uh, they aren't taken home. Uh, following the call, they're they're cleaned at the in our in our large industrial size washer at the uh, fire hall. But, right. Um, so moving. But those are all those are all uh, things that uh, that uh, are our concerns as well. You know, with the uh, with the rodents and and the uh, mold and so forth. Moving toward prevention a little bit, if we just, we probably have about maybe five ten minutes left. If it was your home. What would you recommend as wise preventative measures um, to establish and maintain optimal fire safety? Um, well, I would refer back to my to the answer to my previous questions of those things that I'm looking for when I go into a home. Um, you know, because uh, when we walk into Mr. and Mrs. Smith's home. Um, we want to treat it with the same respect as we would our own, and we'll be looking for those things. I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to, uh, to uh, think any less of, of somebody else's home or w- with regards to fire safety. So I want to make sure the exits are there. I want to make sure that if there is clutter, it's not stacked. Uh, you know, um, it's stacked outside of a pathway uh, leading to an exit, but still, it's not high enough that uh, it's going to fall over on its own and obstruct the path. I want to make sure those clearances that I talked about and, and, and your uh, listeners need to realize the importance of that. Um, that's going to be your number one cause of fire in that house is if, is if things are, are stacked too close to your fuel, your fuel burning appliances, furnaces mm-hmm. and hot water tanks, uh, your stove, um, Unfortunately for Tom, um, he didn't do a lot of cooking there because he couldn't get to a stove. Uh, ah. He can now. Um, but um, the smoke alarms are a big thing. And if you have fuel-fired appliances in your, in your home, I didn't mention this earlier, but you should have a carbon monoxide detector as well. Absolutely. Um, so, um, and it needs to be exposed wherever it is so that it can, it can actually take proper readings um, in your home. Okay, so air air movement is important, okay. which clutter can interfere with. So if you've got, if you have to live with clutter in the meantime, make sure that you maintain good air movement. Yeah. 
Okay, in a worst case scenario, let's work from a worst case scenario, where people just right at this moment can't manage their fire risk. What should they do first and foremost to survive a fire if and when it occurs? Well, if if the clutter is such that they basically exist in their bedroom or, or, or in a, one room of the house, uh, then they have to make sure that they can get out of that room. And in a worst-case scenario, if it's a two-story uh, home with a basement, if that room where you're going to exist, you're sleeping and everything, it needs to be on the first floor so they can get out of the house in case of a, an emergency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, that's, whether it be through the front door, back door, or through the window in the room where they're where they're where they're sleeping, um, yep. that's that's a starting point, and that that will at least protect them while they're determining what their next steps are. And and in saying that, I would strongly suggest to your listeners that mm-hmm. they contact the fire hall or the, their local fire department. They're confident confidentiality is is guaranteed um, and I know it um, as, as you mentioned uh, the fire chiefs that you presented to up here in the Northwest Territories all come from small communities mm-hmm. where they're either related or they know everybody in that community so I can't stress that that privacy and confidentiality is 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 paramount throughout this and they will get that from their local fire department they'll get so that they, yeah, anybody who cares enough to be a firefighter and stays in the business isn't somebody who doesn't care about people. And they will do the absolute best. I've had even here in Ottawa, big city, um, them like do things like be willing to go in on an information, not an inspection. And if they find something, you know, help the person by making recommendations, putting them in touch with help. Locally here in our town, we had a family with six children and it was a real risk. On their day off on the Saturday when we were, Sunday when we were doing the intensive cleanup, Half the fire hall, you know, that was off duty came in to help on their own time. So these are great, great people and you can count on them. Do you have any closing thoughts? I, I have a little bit of a of an intro at the end just to say goodbye to people and give them some information. But do you have any closing thoughts, Chief Sawkins, especially since this is the holiday season with Christmas yep. trees and Christmas lights and ornaments? Yes, uh, and first I'd like to say thank you for having me. Uh, but uh, my final thought would be that uh, at this time of year, there's extra hazards in the house because you you have your decorations in your tree up and you'll be cooking the turkey and you'll have family and friends over. Um, but overall with this, this entire um, issue is that, that it's important that... Uh, partnerships be established and, 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 and trust those partnerships in that, uh, that people are there to help you. And, and you know, you'd be surprised um, how many people come out of the woodwork when, when people need help. And, uh, and uh, as I said, at this time of year, it's important that, uh, that you be aware of, of the hazards in your house. And it's not the time of year that you want to fire, number one, or number two, um, to to lose somebody because of fire inside no, house. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chief Sawkins, and to everyone out in our listening audience, no matter what country or village you are listening from. Thank you so much for all of your emails. Have a wonderful and safe holiday season and a new year where you can share your dreams uh, of coming true, where they actually can come true for you. My wish for you is that you set the three goals we've discussed in earlier shows. One, each and Every day, make it your mission to find and acknowledge joy, fun, and play. There's more to life than decluttering. Second, you remind yourself that no matter what your situation is at this moment, you are a worthy, capable individual, able to learn and grow. And that it is the 15 minutes every day working strategically on clutter that in the long run is going to make the difference and keep things in okay condition. Fourth, I'm here to help if you need me. You can reach me at 1-613-492-0700, elaine.burchall at hoarding.ca www.hoarding.ca or through our new book Clearing the Path When Clutter Becomes Hoarding and What You Can Do About It Take care everyone It has been an absolute pleasure and honor to have you join me and contact me with your questions It's been an experience a wonderful, wonderful experience for me to have a worldwide internet radio show and thank you so much Chief Sawkins, it's been an honor to have you join us that I'm sure what is a very, very busy time and share your experience and your wisdom and strategies with our listening audience, no matter where they are around the world. Take care. Happy holidays. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Elaine Birchall for another edition of Take Back Your Life when your things are taking over next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you declutter your home and your life again next week.